When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome, everybody, to another wonderful episode of Knife Talk Podcast, where I'm Mariko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts, are here, or am here, I don't know how to speak English, cool, <laughs> uh, with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and as always, our fearless leader, Mr. Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. How are you guys doing? How's this last week been? What about you, Jeff? You've been at the Maker Camp this last weekend. We were leading into that. How about it? It was, uh, Maker Camp was amazing, and I had a really great time, and, and, um, I don't know really where to begin. One thing is, is so Maker Camp was this small uh, camp. It, it was trying to be like Maker Fair. It was a new version of Maker Fair. Maker Fair United States went out of business, and um, Jimmy Duresta and this awesome guy named Austin, who owns this beautiful resort called uh, Blackthorn Resort, decided that they wanted to do like a Maker Fair um, at their resort. So they invited uh, me and the uh, Modern Forge boys, uh, John Ariani, um, Jesse Savage, Cliff Dufton, uh, Dave Damascus. A lot of them. And then they had... Um, Steve Pellegrino there and Ellen Dirk in there and um, the incredible Chris Cash. And I'm going to I'm going to just try to like. So it was a three day weekend or two day weekend, three day weekend. And I had the best time. We all got up there early and Chris Cash took care of Mount Phillips Metalworks. Now, that is a guy who did everything. He he made sure we had we we needed. He, are you okay? If I was looking around for something, he's like, you got everything you need? He made sure it was amazing. And then I got to meet um, Steve, Moonshine Metalworks. He works with Alex Pohl. Awesome guy. He's also on the podcast uh, Fools with Tools with Brett uh, McAfee. That's Skull and Spade uh, 13. We had a blast. And it was... we. So basically, they had us come up. Cliff had a couple ideas for some demos. He wanted to do a sledgehammer so and cool. um, an anchor, and they turned out amazing. But it didn't take it didn't take five of us to do all that stuff. So at the same time, Jesse and Dave and I were doing some other things, and um, I got to do. I I pulled out my watercolor notebook and I turned to Jesse and I say, "Hey, you want to try something new?" And I I did my old Fred Christ uh, one uh, piece um, forged uh, a rose, ten petal rose. 
And it was a lot of fun, and um, we just had a blast. And I got to really meet some really great guys. Steve uh, Moonshine Metalworks, such a good dude. Uh, I got to tell you, I was stunned at how many people came by who listened to the podcast. Um, uh, Caffeine's Forge stopped by. Dark State Forge stopped by. Red Beer Forge stopped by. Uh, DFM Toolwork stopped, Toolwork stopped by. Awesome guys listen to the podcast. Had a lot of p- pilot people who listen to the podcast. I was kind of surprised, to be honest with you. Nice. And Jimmy DeResta was such a good... He is such a good dude. I can't... I can't tell you enough how much of a great guy Jimmy is. He's just an awesome guy. Uh, so we spent a little time with him. We got to see his shop. And um, Austin over at the place, he just took care of us. It was so funny. We were going to get some lunch. And we went up to Austin. And Austin says, oh, wait, hold on a second. So he gets this piece of paper and he goes, give these guys whatever they want. Signed, Austin. And we were, we, he gave us this piece of paper. <laughs> we just walked around like flashing this thing. John Ariotti. <laughs> John Ariadne goes, I'm going to take your plants. I'm going to, where's this? Where's that? I'm going to take everything, the whole place. And we laughed the whole time. And, and, um, we had such a great time. And, and, uh, I'm, I want to make sure I don't forget anybody. I want to talk about Ellen Durkin later. She's incredible. Um, Steve Pellegrino, we had a blast with him. And, uh, I don't I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but I, I look, we had a great time. We had a great mm. time. Those pictures that you put up, the, those black and white pictures were incredible. Well, there's a, there, these maker things now, what they do is they get these, is Mark Jacobs photography and he, they set up, he, he, you know, they, he came in and he was just taking a pile of pictures and then we jumped in we jumped in with Ellen, we jumped in with all the forge, the, the, they were great. And then he, you know, he sent them all out and they were, they were really great. They were, we had a great time and, um, I can't thank Cliff and John enough. John, I'll tell you what, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to laugh for a long time. Go hang out with John. But the problem is you have to have a very thick skin because he's a vicious, he's a vicious, he's totally vicious. He ripped me to shreds no. all weekend long. So every time I laugh, he says, I don't want that fake podcast laugh of yours. You see, he, he beat me up. He beat me up. The other motherfucker would beat me up, but I love him. He's an awesome guy. And uh, I learned a lot of cool things from all of them. Just being around all those guys. Yeah, you know the cool. forging is totally different, but that's it. I mean, if you want to go into it more, feel free to ask. But I'm actually I'm a little bit distracted because there's a chipmunk in my shop. Oh, he's just kind of he's just kind of wandering around. I thought it was a mouse, but he's a chipmunk. He wandering around the shop, so I was a little bit like <laughs> trying to talk to you and then watching this chipmunk walk around. It was kind oh, of bizarre. Geez. Jeez. So is this going to be an annual event? Well, that it, it was such a success that they're wanted. They're definitely going to do it again, but it's going to be bigger. And Jimmy really promoted awesome. it, um, and so did all the other makers. I got to meet Derek from Malden. He was super cool. Um, uh, Chris Zepp from Make Everything Shop. He was there, and everyone was doing the social media. And then there were some other people here. I know that I know for a fact that the blacksmithing tent was like the kind of. We we kind of like took over a little bit to the point where there was a little bit of bitter woodworkers out there who were like, <laughs> well, there was, you know, there were other people out here besides people hitting anvils. Guess what? People don't understand what forging is. So it, you're, you, you know, you just you stick to your splinters and relax. I mean, I, I mean, it was it was awesome. We had a great time. And the anchor that Cliff and John made was like extraordinary. 
I mean, Cliff Dufton and John Ariani are like two of the best blacksmiths on the planet. These, these motherfuckers made, I mean, this anchor was incredible and totally incredible. And I didn't have to use the megaphone. Chris Cash was the hype man and he did all the barking and he did a great job. So nice. Nice. It was fun. Super fun. Yeah, they're going to do it again. Oh, cool. Cool. What about you, Marekko? What have you been up to? Uh, so this past week, uh, well, actually, I want to follow up with Jeff's thing real quick. Man, I just want to say that did look really awesome. And if they do it next year again, I want to get in on that somehow. I think that would be a lot of fun. It does look like a good time. And, and you said they're not only doing blacksmithing. what They're doing all kinds of different making, right? Woodworking. Well... It was, I mean, it was, there was, there was, I mean, Steve Pellegrino was forging knives, so I stayed the hell away from the, out of that. And um, there was the guys from the New England, the NEB, the New England blacksmiths, uh, Bob Menard brought forges for people to learn mm-hmm. how to forge. Um, and uh, there was woodworkers, there was wood turners and pen turners, and there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of different, it was really kind of DIY maker stuff there it wasn't it wasn't meant for selling like that was that was really and i if you listen to the latest episode of um tool fools with tools with they talk more about the idea that it's we're they're trying to create these maker places so they don't seem like they're um like conventions Mm. like they're not where the people weren't having booths to sell stuff like there were companies selling stuff like total boat was there and some arbor tech was there and still chainsaws were there but it was really meant to be very uh interactive so they were so people weren't really buying stuff like there wasn't stuff to buy so it was really more along the lines of getting people introduced to the stuff so and there were welders there you could weld your own rows and there were um you know, there was like a couple antique guys there, but it was really like, it was interesting because it was not meant to be like um, a trade show. Sure. It was meant to be more like an interactive opportunity yeah. thing. Yeah, so. lo- lots of sort of hands-on demonstrations, that kind of thing. Right, I right. Yeah. I mean, nice. it's it's it, the only bad thing about it is, is is it is kind of far from New York City, so it's it's kind of hard to get there. Like Maker Fair was in Queens, so it's a subway ride there, so you had ninety thousand people. You know, Eastern New York is a little bit, you know, more off the beaten path. So it just becomes a question of getting there. But uh, they, they, they were, from what I understand, it was a success. They, you know, they, uh, they, they, it was a really great success and they were happy and they want nice. to do it again. So we'll see. I think J- Jimmy was saying that it was, somebody had said that it was like, um, maker stock. It was a like, you know, ham handed <laughs> joke, but it was like, but it was m- more along the lines of, um, yeah, these things are going to happen. These things are going to have to happen and because there is definitely a need for it, an interest yeah. for sure. Love it. Well, for me this past go. week, I uh I've been I finished up that giant chef's knife. I just shipped it out a couple days ago. Um and I'm very happy with how it came together. It was, you know, it it was it was basically a complete do-over uh except for the side that I I had built for it. Uh, I hadn't even gotten to that step yet when I was doing the first one. Um, but yeah, it finished out really nice. The pattern came together really good. Uh, it has this really beautiful kind of wavy, active wavy activity down the blade. And the customer actually wanted a lighter etch, a uh, low contrast etch um, versus, you know, the really high contrast stuff that I've been using like the instant coffee for to pop that contrast and it 
it's a really nice look. And what's interesting is that as you use that knife, uh, uh, the patina that builds up on it because it's high carbon will help kind of reveal that pattern more over time and use. And, um, and yeah, but it's, and, and sayas have been a little bit more fun. The sai I built for this is a kind of a new style that I've started playing with, which essentially it has, it's backless. So it's, it's glued up a lot out at the tip and along the cutting edge side, but the back is, uh, kind of ground clean or you know designed so it's it's flush with the line of the spine of the actual knife so that the knife can actually slide in and out the back of the of the saya as well as the end kind of uh which is traditional like a, a standard sheath but this one it's it's kind of it's kind of more like a really fancy edge guard but it also still has a retention pin it was made from wood that matched the handle material um and i just i'm really loving the new form and just the how it looks aesthetically um especially along that line on the spine with with traditional size they usually have kind of a, a step up from the handle because they also have that glue right. seam along the top side and it's just for me it's it's disruptive to the overall aesthetic of the thing um versus the side now without that step up and with that backless kind of spine uh it looks like it's just a, a big wooden blade um, and it's a continuation of the knife. Um, anyways, that was really great. Got, oh, go ahead. Do you, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, cause actually somebody asked in one of the questions, I thought I'd just ask you, do you put any liners in this eye? Not, not on this one. Some of the material is sturdy enough, um, that if it were to get broken, it's because somebody was misusing it, uh, or had, you know dropped it or something like that you know it, i mean it's sturdy enough it can handle some drops but you know you drop china you can't get pissed at the maker for this china no, no, breaking. No, the li- i mean i'm saying like a, i'm saying like a liner on the inside to protect this the blade like, le- like i a see felt liner i or don't something like that? i don't no and um but it's not a bad practice and with uh with this kind of backless process it's actually a little easier to do um the, the always the concern though with kind of like these more wooden sayas and uh i don't know if it's the same thing with kydex sheets but is that you know because the especially if you're using felt or leather it's not part of the material uh in the way that some of the, the kydex sheets have like uh, some sort of felt attached or, or already pre-adhered to the material to the kydex um and so you could potentially accidentally catch the edge of the leather and start peeling it off and all kinds right. of shit and i don't yeah there's no there's no then, fixing there's no fixing exactly you, yeah. there's, there's no, no fixing that, fixing that. Yeah. so unless I'm really confident and I've only done it once, but unless I'm really confident that the customer is going to be very careful and they really know what they're doing, um, then, uh, I don't do it. And realistically it's, it's not traditional for especially those wooden uh, sheets, uh, to have any kind of liners, uh, at least in the Japanese tradition. So, yeah, so I got that finished up out the door. My next project is, um, is I'm working on something a little different. It's a Tonto, uh, which is a Japanese dagger in a way. And um, I'm trying to do, it's definitely not going to be traditional, but it's going to be more traditional than maybe like a, uh, a tactical Tonto that you might see um, 
people sh- posting up and stuff like that. So it's going to have the traditional aesthetic, but it, it's basically going to have my flair, the way I build things uh, in it. And I think it's going to be really cool. I, I, I drew up some plans and I'm, I'm so far they're going well. I, last night I heat treated or yesterday I heat treated the blade and uh, forged the suba, which is basically the guard. Sometimes they don't have. Sometimes they have guards. Sometimes they don't. I opted for a guard because I've had this idea for uh, a suba uh, on Japanese swords or, or or knives that I thought would be really cool that I hadn't seen. So I, I, I'm going to save that for later. But um, um, I think it turned out really nice and. So I'm going to do some more work today cleaning those up. I've also had this damn cold. <laughs> Hopefully, I think I'm finally over it. But if, if you know, as a maker and self-employed person, like the worst thing to have is basically a cold <laughs> that slows you down, makes you feel like shit, and makes the work even that much kind of more of a pain to get done but the worst part about it is that my son has had this damn cold too for like the last we've we've both had colds all all three of us really for the last couple weeks and it's way obviously it's way worse for him because he's just miserable and he doesn't really know how to to equate what's going on and so he's just fussing about even this the simplest stuff and it's just because he feels like crap Mm. They're the worst. Colds are yeah. the worst. You just feel tired in your bones, don't you? Yeah. It's just ugh, everything's For a struggle. Sure. Yeah, struggle. Yeah. Craigie, what have you been up to, man? Um, the usual. It's just been a you know a grinding week. Um, I'm I'm gearing up to work on a new bunch of knives, which I'm starting on Monday. Um, for a customer um, called Mohall, they they've got two Michelin stars, and they they've got this the most beautiful sort of dining room. So we're doing something quite special with for their knives. So they they grow all of their own produce as well. Mm. They've got a fair bit of land. So you may remember probably about probably about eighteen months ago. Uh, no, probably about a year ago. Um, I messed around with resins and I put just some, I dried up some tomatoes and put them in oh, the yeah. resins just to see how it would hold up. Well, it's been, it's been over a year and they've, they still look the same. The, the resin's still perfectly clear. It's been out in the sun for three weeks in the summer. It's been through the dishwasher multiple, multiple, multiple oh, cool. times and it holds up well. So I'm finally comfortable to put this on, on real knives. So I've been speaking with more hall and what we're going to do is, um, a while back, I went and visited, and we picked some of their edible flowers. Mm. Um, we've sure. dried them out and we pressed them, so they've been they've been for about two months. They've just been sitting there. Um, so they're going to be cast this week. So we're casting those in a resin, and we've got these beautiful um, sort of acrylic backing, which we're going to use almost like I use like a G10 liner. We're using acrylic, um, and we've got these beautiful pastel colours. We've had these made especially, so they'll match the restaurant. So they're like a real pale blue, real pale pink, a real pale yellow, that mm. kind of thing. Um, and they're going to be they're going to be paired with these flowers, so they're going to be cast. So I had to make a mold for them, and it's just been fun doing something a bit different. So that's all prep ready for Monday when I start Monday on these knives. Um, that's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. It. I love to see it. Yeah, something completely different. Um, and you know, as I said, this place is so beautiful. So I think they're going to look really nice and really, you know in the right setting as well. It look lovely. Um, also sent out the first of the um, emails for the Sustainable Knife Project that I talked about last week. I was signed up um, for that. So around about 300, 
Yeah, around about 300 people have signed up for it. I was really surprised about it. So, so a bit of pressure on to get some news every... So it's going to be every two weeks. So the first one went up this week. Um, and just talking about tips to um, just be a bit sort of kinder on the planet, you know, within the workshop. So this week we talked about waste. Um, also mentioned a new product that I found, which is which I'm using in this in this uh, this resin project, um, because resins are obviously generally sort of petrochemicals. Um, but I found a resin that's not; it's plant based, hmm. um, and it's it, it it's a vegan, <laughs> it's a <laughs> vegan uh, resin. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's completely UV stable. Um, it doesn't scratch easily. It, it's ice clear. It's, it's, you know, it's really nice to work with, um, sets pretty quickly without any bubbles. Um, so yeah, so I, I talked about that in the, in the email. Um, I've also spoken to, um, a number of steel manufacturers over the last couple of weeks, um, to talk about their process of making steel and, and, um, you know, the, obviously, there's going to be damage to the environment in doing that kind of thing, but you know how they're trying to offset that that kind of thing. So there's a bit of news in the email about that as well, and there's more coming in the next email. So it's it's been quite a varied week, but but fun doing stuff that I don't normally do. Um, so I, I finished off a bunch of knives, which I finished on Wednesday. So I've had two days to just sort of play around a little bit, ready for ready for this new new work starting Monday. Um, but it's been it's been a fun week. It's yeah, the weather has changed here in France. Though last week when I spoke to you, it was like we had a bit, little bit of a mini heat wave over the weekend. So I was in shorts still, and the <laughs> sun was still bright. But this week winter has come with a with a with a big bang. It's now freezing. So yeah, things are going to be very different at the workshop for the next six months, I yeah. imagine, um, as as the cold sets in. But um, it's fun. It's been it's been quite invigorating this week doing different stuff. And, and I've really enjoyed it and learned a lot too. And you're so busy that you're, you're pawning off your annoying customers on me. <laughs> I, I wouldn't so much say annoying customer. It was, that, that, that's something else I did this week, sorry, as well. So uh, as people know, I go out and I see restaurants a lot. So I, I always have samples with me and it's, it's time to sort of refresh my samples. Some of these were were pretty old um, and slightly older designs because I iterate each time. Um, So I had a bunch of knives and I put them, I've never done that before. I just put them up on Instagram in my stories. I'm just saying these knives are available and I did a little video for each video Um, and they all sold like very, very quickly. So I was really pleased. So yeah, that was nice. Um, But yeah, I did get contacted by somebody who wanted a very specific knife after seeing those stories. Um, and it's not the kind of knife that I do. So I did say, well, th- this is the kind of thing Jeff would do. And I pointed him in Jeff's direction. And what did Jeff say? <laughs> he told it the fuck the way off, I think. Is the way- <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff was like, oh, this motherfucker. It was uh, a guy who'd already been buried deep in my DMs, who'd been giving me, you know, well, I want this and I want that. Can you do this? Can you do that? As soon I as didn't, I saw I it, didn't know. I didn't know. Of course you didn't know, but I'm telling you. Now I now you know. It was I immediately saw his name and was like, oh Jesus H. Christ. Yeah. Craig says, Oh, look, yeah, I'm sending you some business. This little tick has been giving me such trouble for such a long time. They're like, oh, you know what? I got a couple of assholes I'm gonna send to you too. <laughs> no, no, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. This fine yes, guy's fine. Yeah. You guys fine, wink wink. He's fine. But, that, but that, that's the thing, actually. So if somebody comes to you and asks for a particular style that you don't normally do, what do you do? Do you take on the work or do you, do you pass it on, pass it on to somebody you know? How do you deal with that? 
I'll tell you exactly what I do. And, and it, it comes down to I differ from a lot of you guys because I see it like if I was a, if I was a railing, if I back in the day when I was making railings, if somebody came in and said, I need a, a four foot railing. Mm. Okay, fine. No problem. Make the railing. And if another guy comes in and says, I need a 20 foot railing, I'm not going to say I only make four foot railings. I'll make you whatever you want. Right now, I'm actually dealing with a, a restaurant who wants me to make Parm- uh, Parmesan cheese knives. <laughs> Knives. What? Oh, those yeah, scrape you know, it. Those like scrape like almost like peelers. Well, no, they're like uh, no, no, no. They're oh, like they're if you have a giant round. wheel of yeah. cheese, hmm. a Parmesan cheese, you got a hook knife, and there are these wedges uh. and this serrated. And so Tony and I are going back and forth. He's like, "You want to do it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know what I kind of yeah, of course, let's do it." So we're watching videos, and, and all of a sudden, it's just like, "Yeah, I, I haven't done it before, but that doesn't mean I can't do it." So I I like to do that stuff. I really honestly I see it all as metal work. So mm. I'm very, you know, we need some more details in terms of the sizes and, and shapes and geometry and stuff like that. But I love doing, I love doing stuff like that. Like I've yeah. talked about this marijuana farmer who wants me to make some marijuana nice. tools, some, you know, some tools for, yeah, what, no shears, like some sort of oh. like exacto-y knife. And I, I like that stuff. I don't, I don't, I mean, certain things I don't do and like certain things that I also like, I'm working on a Damascus knife and I, we said to the guy, I said, I, you know, I can, I, I've made Damascus before, but I'm not m- making Damascus to sell. So I actually just got a piece of Damascus from Bob Rankin and I'm going to use his knife and I'm very clear about that. Certain things I'm just not, you know, I, I'm just not in the, in the habit of doing. Yeah. Uh, at some point I will, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, there are certain limitations, but like I said. You know, I'll make you a three-foot railing, and I'll make you a 20-foot railing. Fine by me. Whatever you yeah. want. What about you, Marekka? What do you do? See, you must get requests for people asking oh, yeah. for things. That, I, mean, I, I mean, I suppose it's different for you, because you do one-off pieces anyway, don't yeah. you? Well, I mean, even just like this Tonto knife that I am just started working on, it actually started as a Bowie knife. And then gradually, as I started talking about or with the customer about what they're looking for and how they wanted to use it and what kind of inspiration they've seen out there in the world or styles they've, uh, they're into started. The guy started talking about Tonto's Tonto knife, Tonto, and how he wants to chop. I'm just like, Holy shit. That is not what that's for. It's, it's not a chopping knife. It's not a, you know, it's a slashing and stabbing (laughs) knife and tried to explain that. And you're not going to take that out in the woods to go chop down stuff just like you wouldn't take a paring knife to go chop down stuff in the woods so um or even a, you know a turkey slicing knife or whatever anyways um and so then finally he's like well maybe let's just do a more like a traditional style tanto and i was just like holy shit because to me there's a lot of uh history around those kind of uh knives and and it's a lot of stuff that I'm extremely unfamiliar with. I'm. It's not that I'm not interested in any of it. I just, you know, my focus has been chef's knives for the last six years, and um, and I almost was ready to say, you know what, this isn't the right one for me. And if it if people do reach out to me and it's stuff I don't do, I happily send them somebody else's direction, even if 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 it's a chef's knife they want but it's definitely a very specific style that somebody else does i'm like you know what don wins your guy or greg sims your guy or jeff fader's your guy or chop you know these are these are the right people for you that's not me and i will happily send people Mm. to other makers but um after playing around with 
coming up with some designs and looking at some stuff on my own, I came up with a plan that I think I was really actually excited about. And then I kind of reinvigorated kind of like that fire. But, you know, I I see it the same as as Jeff for the most part um, is that, you know, I think the, the key for anybody is to develop enough skills so that they can make almost anything. Uh, or grind it and uh, grind knives in all kinds of different ways. Um, and I think th- this is going to set you up for better success, more versatility and diversity in the future. If you don't have to say no to a project. Um, the only reason I think really you want to say no is just because you don't have the time uh, or maybe for whatever reason, maybe yeah. the very specific tools that are required to do something, but otherwise be able to yeah. say, yes. I think, I think that's the thing with me, really. Time. I'm 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 sort of set up for sort of small production runs of things yeah. now. So you know, taking the time out to to design a one-off piece and spending time on that when I could be doing you know a dozen or so of, of, of what I do every day. You know, it, it is a time and money thing, really. Sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's but interesting that's... to see other people's perspectives on yeah. it. But that's why you take that up. That's why you get that upcharge special. You get that. Uh, you get the old. Yeah, I could do it. I could stop everything and do it for you, but you know, you got to pay the uh, express lane fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know about true. the express. I, I, I'll make you whatever you want, but you know, yes, it's it's problematic for to jump the head of the line, but you know, sometimes we do whatever it takes, yeah. and sometimes whatever it takes is green. So there we are. No problem. I'll make whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I don't care. I got to pay the bills. If you want to fucking, you know. Clam knife. I said I want a clam knife. I was like, is it like an oyster knife? And he said, yeah. I'm like, okay, great. No problem. <laughs> Rebranded. Yeah. No problem. Pay it. Just pay and we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know? No By the way, I think. I, I, but, but with that said, with that said, I have definitely turned down um, Tonto's. I've definitely turned down um, Swords. Yeah. I've definitely. Actually, I'll tell you, you want to hear a funny story. I and I part of me is so pissed off about it. It happened a few, uh, actually, probably six or seven months ago. I got asked to do a. Uh, I got asked to do a sword for uh, who's that motherfucker? Oh yeah, uh, Malone. Uh, Post Malone. Spokes Malone. What's that fucking guy? Post Malone? Spokes Malone. I said <laughs> the fucking guy. So I didn't know That's that it was... tattooed guy, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know we uh, Tony got a message somebody in the record company wants to get this some guy a sword you make swords I'm like you want a real sword and he, we I you know we didn't really know he didn't know I didn't know and I actually sent them to Dragon's Breath Forge because I'm like oh, those guys make oh, swords yeah. I like if I see you want a fake sword I'll make you a fake sword you know they're like no, it was all weird and then when we finally turned it down because we it the the timeline of the it was super fast paced and whatever and I pushed him over to Dragon's Breath because I thought, you guys make swords. And then it turns out that uh, Neil ended up making this. Neil ended up making the sword for him. So, but we didn't know it was Post Malone. And then I told my daughter about it. And she goes, "You're gonna make a sword for Posty?" I'm like, "No, I'm not making a fucking Posty. You know, it's Bugsy Malone. Posty. Bugsy Posty. Malone's more your thing. Posty. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bugsy Malone. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, she. We're making a sword. She. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. She. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really, swords aren't really my thing. Let's move on with some news. <laughs> oh, yeah. We forget we got these bits, don't we? We just go off on one and we're like, oh, yeah, we're, let's try and get back on track. Breaking news. I think that chipmunk <laughs> fucked off. 
There we ah, go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, he gave me me anxious. It was anxious. I was going to stop the thing and just try to open the doors and get them the fuck out of here. And you can hear me scream from the back. But no, Alvin screaming at the right, right, right. I would have. I was glad he wasn't anything else. KTP news. We've got some news. Um, so we're going to kick off talking about Blade Show again. So Mareko's probably the man to tell you about Blade Show. Yeah, West. I'll take it from here. Uh, so Blade Show West is coming up actually just in a couple of weeks now. Um, it's November 1st through 3rd in Portland, Oregon. Tickets are available online at bladeshow.com. Uh, if you type in Neil 20, uh, you can save 20% off. Any tickets you get, whether it's a day pass, which is, I think it's about 15 bucks, or a three-day pass, which is 30 bucks, uh, so making it super affordable. Um, they're offering all kinds of free seminars and demos. Our buddy Jay S- Jeremy Spake, uh, Road to Victory, is doing a Scandi Knife demo uh, and seminar. Uh, the big thing that they're trying to promote, though, for, for this show is the... Uh, is the West Side Pit event? So, in Atlanta, they have uh, there's a pit in the hotel where the where the uh, where Blade Show is held, and the pit is where everybody gets together and drinks too much alcohol and starts <laughs> arm wrestling and everything. No, they don't drink too much alcohol, but there's food there. There's and it's just a really cool opportunity to kind of meet and mingle, not only network and meet other makers that maybe as a maker you might admire but also for um you know collectors and knife enthusiasts to also connect and and meet those people and sit and talk shit about knives and uh it's the best i love it i it's it's really it's the reason that i still go to the blade show is is the the chance to hang out and spend time with those people and the pit is where it happens and so in portland they're doing the west side pit they have this uh special event space lined up it's saturday night you do have to get tickets uh and they're free the event is free but they have of course like a fire code to kind of follow and and make sure that they're not overloading that thing and so uh if you go to again to the blade show website and and go find uh the information on blade show west and the west side pit they have an rsvp tab tap that and you can just type your name in real quick and get yourself uh, a ticket to make sure that you can get in without any hassle um they are going to have door prizes they have a bunch of stuff and they i i just saw that they had the list i'm going to read them off real quick they got uh a uh, a vanquest ibex 26 backpack it's like this crazy fancy uh kind of backpacking or hunting backpack jason knight is uh offering a three-day forging class uh and virtual knife making series uh up for grabs uh he's also got a a custom-made chopper that he forged that's going to be up for grabs uh medford praetorian swift has an auto knife that they're going to be giving away and murray carter has a funyaki knife which is a special style of chef's knife that he's going to be giving away all of these you get the ticket automatically when you come in the door and so they're going to be giving them away basically every hour so throughout the night you have to be there to to get these things uh the event starts at six it goes till 11 um i'm sure it's going to continue (laughs) afterwards somewhere else um but anyhow, the big thing about the Blade Show West uh, pit party is that they're doing a chef's knife cutting competition. So they really want to showcase chef's knives at the show. After they've been drinking? No, no, no. The competitors, no. They, oh. They're gonna, that's, I think, I don't I don't know what timing-wise it looks like, but I'm, I think it's going to be pretty... Uh, 
kind of pretty early on into the event or into the evening. So it's not, yeah. So nobody's had too much to drink, but hopefully if you're going to be competing, you're not <laughs> too much throwing back shots of tequila <laughs> and whiskey and all that good stuff. Um, before you're chopping away. Um, but anyways, they, they have two separate brackets. So they're going to have chef's knives versus, or sorry, chef's knife makers versus chef's knife makers. So makers versus makers in one bracket and then chefs in a separate bracket. So there's been a little confusion about the verbiage of the rules and stuff online. But just to be clear, I've been talking with the organizers just to double check. So there are two brackets. <clears throat> God, this cold is killing me. There's two brackets. It's makers versus makers. And chefs versus chefs. So there's not going to be any mingling. There's been some confusion about the rules based around that. But uh, custom knife makers are competing only against other custom knife makers, not chefs. And chefs are only competing against chefs. Um, And so they have a $500 cash prize for the winner of the uh, chef's knife maker, the maker category or bracket. And then on the chef side, the winner is going to get a custom made Bingo Ferguson stainless Damascus chef's knife. Um, it's a beautiful knife. You can see pictures of it on the the Blade Show uh, Instagram. And if you are interested, I think they got the the maker bracket filled up right now. But if you're a chef that happens to be listening to this podcast, um, or if makers know a chef in C- in Portland or in the Northwest that might be going to the show that will want to compete, have them reach out to the show organizers, send them an email, bladewest at bladeshow.com. Let them know you want to compete. They'll make sure you get all the information and paperwork that you need to uh, to be able to do that. And I think that's basically what I got for the, sh- for the show. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff. Only th- things that are, they're only going to be doing over at blade West. It's not going to be, this isn't stuff that's going to carry over Atlantic is Atlanta is its own show. And so it's got his own thing going on there. Mm. And so over at blade West, they're going to have uh, all these very special kind of unique events happening. And I think it's going to be a really cool opportunity for people to hang and have a good time. How crabby are you going to be the next day? I had breakfast with you the next day after Blade, and you were on the crabby side. You <laughs> might have had too much to drink and not enough sleep. Uh, yeah, that was that's probably true. And I don't know, was I crabby? <laughs> I don't I don't remember being crabby. Oh, a little bit. If I'm crabby, it's because I was tired. Were, yeah. No, of course. I was just saying. I was saying it was a late yeah. night. It's and always early a, morning, and a, you hadn't have enough sleep. And <laughs> yeah, these things happen. It's, I it's always a late night at Blade Show. <laughs> It's always an late night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you are. There you know, there. you mentioned Fingal Ferguson's knife that um, is is up to win. Somebody can win. Um, he actually worked with some of my plastics materials and a couple of my blades this week, and he put up on his stories. Um, his work is just amazing. Every time, it's just so clean and polished. It's just it's just brilliant. So yeah, so he took a couple of my steak blades and um, he finished them and he put his own handles on. Because um, he has that little notch thing in the handle, you know, that little sort of... Yeah, little drop thing. down after the second finger. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's really nice. We put one of them in, in, in one of my steak knives. Then he used um, my plastic material that I recycle on one of his own knives. And he just he just elevated everything. He's, he's just another level. Oh, yeah, I did and he nice. also has good music in his videos. Yeah. He's got... He's Always. <laughs> rhythm, and, rhythm and blues, old school rhythm and blues. I'm with, I'm with Fingal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Any other news? <clears throat> yes, actually. Uh, I got a direct message from Nick Rossi. I'm saluting you right now from the New England School of Metalwork. 
It turns out, everybody, that the 2020 schedule is up. They have a pile of classes with from people of like Peter Braspinix, Fireforge, Lynn Ray. Um, uh, they got a pile of classes. And I'll tell you what, everybody who's been going to the New England School of Metalwork, nobody ever says this was a mistake. It's the Harvard of metalworking as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's like, if you want to learn how to get better at this shit, don't get off the YouTube and go to the New England School of Metalwork. <laughs> they have a pile of new classes ready to roll. Go over to newenglandschoolofmetalwork.com and check out their classes. I know that Noah Vashon just went, came back from a class. He did a, uh, he's an awesome knife maker and he went to take, do a forge integral knife class. He had a blast. He was there with, uh, Ron Hansen and all those guys. Go over there, support the New England School of Metalwork. We try to tell you, you know, people say, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? How do you do that? Get off YouTube and go spend the time and in, in the money and go oversee uh, the New England School of Metalwork. It's not just knives. They have a lot of other great stuff. And they're ABS accredited. So if you're looking to be a, a journeyman smith or whatever, if you take one of their classes, it cuts off the time for testing. So they're great. And, yeah, it trims off a year. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's like if you want to go down the, you know, the, you know, the right, you know, a good pathway of, of even just learning, even if you don't want to do um, the ABS, it's like you, the, you will get, you will get on the right track with your knife making and you'll learn, you'll learn a pile from them. So there you go. That's them. Cool. Cool. Any light news this, this uh, week, Jeff? Uh, yes, there is a little light news. This, <laughs> this is becoming um, my favorite bit of the show. Is it? Because I was actually, I forgot <laughs> that I already found something. So, you know, the funny thing is, is if you look up knife news, all you're going to get is attacks. So I just decided, well, let's just start looking for handle, you know, like material stories. So this one comes from, um, the independent UK and in I'm referring to this as in handle material news, a Russian Navy boat sinks after a walrus attack during an Arctic expedition. I know some of you fucking people use uh, walrus ivy ivory. So I figured <laughs> God, that's a stretch that is for knife. No, news, no, 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 it it. No, it. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. It's not a stretch at all. People use ivory. No, it's not. The ancient, they, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, ancient, they're ivory yeah, now is all walrus, walrus ivory. ivory. So, so I figured. Well, let's figure it out. So, <laughs> a Russian naval boat was attacked and possibly sunk by a walrus during a scientific expedition in the Arctic. The sailors from the Northern Fleet were taking part of a joint mission with the Russian Geographical Society, uh, blah, 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 archipelago, yeah, 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 uh, uh, and a group from the expedition was attempted to, attempting to land at Cape Heller in the territory in, in an inflatable boat, and they were attacked by a female walrus. The walrus probably feared for their cubs and attacked the rubber craft. Can you imagine? The boat sank, but tragedy was avoided thanks to prompt action by the squad leader. All landing participants safely reached the shore. So that motherfucker got one of those long-ass tusks and just stuck that boat with that big-ass tusk. That old bitch, sure. that old bitch got him with the old tusk. <laughs> so Handle fat, material a one. fat seal in his tooth. <laughs> <laughs> fat seal. It was a walrus. He, <laughs> so, he, sunk, that, he sunk that tusk deep into that damn inflatable boat and popped it like a balloon <laughs> so there you go handle material nice. in the news combat the braces nice. make them i got go for it sorry oh. 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, I do have just some dates really quick from the Artisan Calendar. It is uh, so this weekend on the 26th is the Artisanal Knife Show in Lisbon, Portugal. And then the twin 26th and the 27th, there are a couple. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Artisan Knife Show in Lisbon, Portugal is the 26th and 27th. So is the California Custom Knife Show in Anaheim, California, um, which is kind of some of the very, very best custom knife makers in, especially in the United States. Um, art, artfully crafted stuff is going to be there. And then in the Central Europe Show, uh, sorry, Central Europe Knife Show is happening in Warsaw, Poland on the 26th. So if you're going to be in the area, <laughs> to all you uh, people in Poland, uh, there's a show happening on the 26th. There you go. There you go. Combat can abrasives I, I, make oh, the sorry. <laughs> sorry. Let, let's go, I just want to go. I just want to go. I'm He'll sorry. Be back. He'll Arn, be back. Arnold, Arnold, just give me a second, Arnold. I'm just imagining going back to the walrus. How do he fucking lean his head back far enough to jam that tooth into that boat? He must have, like, hmm. do they have necks? <laughs> How do they do it? I've actually been reading up about walruses because my son has a a really good book about walruses. And uh, (laughs) they use those tufts to pull themselves. They pull their fat asses out of the water onto like icebergs and, and stuff like that with those teeth and they're using them yes they definitely have necks and uh they can crane them back i mean if you have you seen any pictures or seen any like planet like blue planet or planet earth i remember watching i remember watching like uh woody woodpecker cartoons (laughs) with with uh with the walruses and they have big old teeth and then i just i'm just trying to imagine how this goddamn thing is like craning its head back to jam that boat with the goddamn tusk well if you ever see these doofuses hanging around especially when it's mating season they they look like just jabba the huts with big old tusks on their face and they can crane their head around all back and forth all over the place so they're for a large blubberous animal they're uh surprisingly nimble and flexible (laughs) But They're the yogis why would of the that stupid war. Russian decide? To, why would that Russian decide? Let's get the fucking rubber boat. Yeah, that, I think <laughs> yeah. that's on them. I mean, it, I mean that's on him, yeah. really. I mean, it's just like, yeah, can we just get the fucking metal boat? <laughs> then we won't have a problem. That's this yeah. week's zoology news, and yeah, now for some news from our sponsor. <laughs> Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers, available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! There we go. Arnie has been all over the TV this week. He, I think there's a new Terminator film coming out, isn't there? So he's promoting oh, it yeah. like crazy. But, but man, he looks old. He, looks really he was old. on Howard Stern. He was hilarious. Yeah? Yeah. Did, he was, have you uh, seen that little great. horse that he's got? That he's been putting on Twitter and so the on? A little what? <laughs> Tiny little horse, one of those like oh, miniature, horse. miniature horse. Oh, horse. Oh, horse. <laughs> no, definitely a horse. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. No, um, I don't. I don't care about his fucking horse. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's like a little dog, and he it's, it's in his house, and he has breakfast with it and stuff. It's what? crazy. Come on, man. Crazy. What crazy. are you talking? What? What? <laughs> We're talking shit. Let's let's go deep instead. Let's oh, take yeah. a deep dive. Okay. 
So yeah, yeah. this yeah. week I want to talk about um, raffles. So you see lots of people doing raffles on Instagram. Um, you know, sort of there's 50 spots available and once all the 50 spots are bought, they'll do a raffle. Um, but there's been some talk about the sort of legality of that. And I'm just wondering what you guys think. Are they legal? Are they illegal? What you think of them? Have you done one yourself? What's what's going on? I've I looked in. So I first saw people doing raffles like, I don't know, a year or two ago. And I thought it was a neat idea. I thought it was a cool idea, like a way to, you know, to not put somebody out for a lot of money. So maybe for 20 to $50 is what I usually see raffles go for. You know, somebody might be able to get a knife for that. Uh, you see them all the time, especially at like the church bingo night and stuff like that, especially based around like um, raising money for stuff. Um but the reality after you look into it, or at least after I looked into it in Washington state and actually looking around it across other state laws, it's very illegal for that, for raffles to be ran. Um, because basically you're asking people to give you money with no guarantee of rep- like getting anything in, re- in, uh, in return. It's a lottery, basically. They're buying lottery tickets and, um, and that is illegal to it is illegal to run a lottery or a raffle they see the federal government sees it as the same thing um unless you are a state organization or you have a permit as a nonprofit but basically nobody else can ran, run a raffle unless there's no money involved so that's why you always hear you know purchase is not necessary for this giveaway or this you know this contest you always hear that based around like i you know budweiser or oh, even like, like cereal yeah and the purchase not required is because it's fucking illegal <laughs> and so oh. so you can do raffle i think if you're gonna do raffles you know maybe it's um one, you don't charge anybody, but two, it's for the first op- opportunity to buy or drawing for the first opportunity to buy something. Um, I think the the only way I've seen, you know, obviously people run them. They're not getting busted, but I would just hate for s- somebody I know or somebody that listens to the podcast uh, to be running one and they be they end up being that one that becomes the example and then, you know. And then people just stop. So I think to nip it in the bud, you know, people should look at different avenues for selling their stuff, not raffles. Because and people call them waffles. They think changing the letter at the beginning matters. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. So the it's, raffle police can't Google them. Yeah, and exactly. Find them. <laughs> that well, is that that is pathetic. Well, that is pathetic. And, and it doesn't change what you're actually doing. You're accepting people, or accepting money from people in exchange for possibly nothing, and that is illegal. All right. <laughs> what if you did this? Yes, let's hear it. What if you got? What if you bought twenty shirts and you charged forty dollars a shirt, and then if you said buy this limited edition shirt, and when you do. You'll be entered in to win. That is a is that uh, a raffle? So I think that is a potential loophole of sorts that I I'd see. There you go. Is that you know people are that is one way to get around it. Basically, you're giving something. My in exchange. children, this is 
my children this idea <laughs> I give out into the world. Let's let's listen. Let's you're not screw a fucking genius. Without... You didn't come up. You're not the first one to have. have I'm that not idea. saying I'm a genius. I'm giving. I'm not fucking coming up with waffle. That's for sure. <laughs> this is my children. I'm going to talk to my children. Isn't that a waffle? This is. Wait, wait, isn't that a waffle? A waffle. I don't give a fuck. I'm getting the t-shirt. This is the t-shirt. Whoopsie. We're calling this the t-shirt raffle. Whoopsie. We're not calling it the waffle. We're going to call it the t-shirt. Whoopsie. Go buy some fucking shirts. Charge 50 bucks a pop. So you enter to, if you buy this t-shirt, you're entered to win this goddamn knife. And then there you go. You, my children, this is for you to have. Yeah. Enjoy. Because yeah, don't go to jail for these assholes. The I- and don't do the waffle. And don't do the oh, well. waffle. It's so stupid. Yeah. The idea is that, that, uh, the the t-shirt is what you're getting and then the entry into the thing is for free but still you only get entered into the right. raffle if you buy a t-shirt <laughs> so that's where there there's some go. kind well, of you buy the, t- no, buy the t-shirt and then you're automatically entered in so you get the t-shirt Do you know you're talking about people changing the word raffle to waffle hoping they won't yeah. get that spotted I've, I've seen a lot happen a lot now people are referring to their knives as niges so that instead of the f of knife they're putting a g in oh really on their in- instagram posts on facebook posts and i'm just wondering whether they're doing that to try and get around any sort of filtering that instagram's doing or facebook is doing but i see a lot and i don't think they're just spelling mistakes i think people are intentionally using k-n-i-g-e particularly brits so whether yeah whether it's something to do with the filtering systems and hoping they're not going to get caught out on sure. um you know Instagram pulling them and all that kind of thing. I don't know. It's yeah, it's a weird one. Really weird. Look, people the idea is great because what you're doing is is you're guaranteeing what you want to buy, what you want to sell the knife for. If you get 40 guys they're all paying 20 bucks a pop, mm, that's yeah. your you're getting your nut. I understand. And you're also squeezing little tiny lemons. Like all of a sudden a guys like, "Yeah, I'll put it 20 bucks." I think I did I did do one to be supportive of one person a long time ago but at the same time it was just like i wasn't really doing it because i thought i was going to win i thought i'm going to be supportive <clears throat> i i, I still I, illegal I kinda, jeff it, it's Jeffrey, not still illegal i didn't say that i i no, i i entered i didn't do one ah, trust okay, me okay. i'll be honest with you it's not it's a short-term goal for it's a short-term goal with a lot of uh with a lot of work but it's definitely not a long-term business plan to to be doing it that way anyway. So when you're getting to the point where you're doing them often, it just seems as though you might want to reconsider your business strategy for long-term success. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. What about auctions? Auctions. Either of you done auctions yeah. before? Yeah, he hmm. did. Yeah, Mareko yeah. did. Yeah, I've done it too. I don't do that. It just seems like it just seems like a lot of work. It seems like a lot of work and. Yeah, you know, a lot of it seemed like Mareka when you did yours, it just seemed like a lot of work because all of a sudden, dudes, you know, you got to strain through all this, you know, rabble to get to, yeah. you know, to get to the right thing. And you want to seem like people a lot don't of work. read, people do not read, no, no. do they? So they were like, oh, what's the highest bid at the moment? So why you take a look yeah. and read it yourself? Well, but I mean, that was the other thing is like when I was, when you're looking at the auctions, you can't really tell what the highest yeah. is because of the way that they the way that they do the well, thing so it's, well, it just seems like a lot of when work. i ran mine I, I i've experienced that watching other people's auctions and so i was like you know what i'm going to keep the the highest 
I'm just going to update it every couple hours. Like the same way I would check Instagram anyways, is to look at it every once in a while and update and say the current high bid is such and such at the very, very top where it's not going to be cut off or hidden so that ideally if people can just look at it at a glance and see at the very top that it's at whatever, $5, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's always there. It's an indicator at the top. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We've talked about uh, ruffles and waffles. <laughs> hey, man, can I ask you a question? All right. This is the segment of our show where we you can you can interfere. I almost said interfere. I, I'm going to say interfere. You can interfere the podcast. <laughs> if you have a question for us, usually what we do is we'll say something in the middle of the week, send us your questions, and... You know, we'll we'll try to answer them. Is the is the right answer? Uh, in regards to brevity, be br- brief. In regards to brevity, be brief. You know, you don't have to give us you know the the Magna Carta question. You know, get get us, get us in there and tell us. Also, you know, we get a lot of questions that are do overs. We'll figure something out. Ba ba ba. All right. First question goes to from scorpio underscore knives hey man can i ask you a question i like putting a forged finish on some of my blades with a ball peen hammer just for the look and i love that forged hammer finish i had another knife maker tell me that it could cause stress points on the knife and lead to cracking is that true gentlemen what do you think (laughs) i've never done it because i don't do any forging but i'm sure morocco will have a better answer than i could possibly give Uh I mean, I think if it's a like a, a good polished surface on the hammer, uh, that won't be a problem, I, especially if you're hitting it hot. If you're hitting it cold and then you're doing your stock removal or whatever, that could definitely be a problem. Um, but I think as long as you're hitting hot steel and it doesn't have any kind of sharp edges or anything in the peen from hitting something else and getting kind of marked up, then you should be good. I uh the, I will say I used to do uh I used to cold stamp my my uh my initials in my knives and I for sure I cracked the shit out of a piece of 440C with the a letter stamp because I was too close to the edge and it was the letter V and that V the little point of the bottom of the V just went straight cracked right through uh before heat treatment um a lot of those tool steels for sure get don't like to crack like to crack before heat treatment i tend to think a lot of the guys do the forged finish without the heat um i would agree exactly with what you were saying but when you start to do it cold be aware that that material does not like to move the way hot steel does so there are a lot of potentials for cracks i i the answer is yes it is true it can depending on how you're doing but he's just like mariko said if you do it hot and you're careful stay off that edge okay I'll take the next one. CBC Custom Knives asks, Hey QT, I have a Damascus question. At what point in the welding process do you stop hammering and grind off your make-tig welds? Loves the show, and thanks for taking the time to do it. Never. (laughs) I never never stop to clean off. At least I don't. Wait, you never stop grinding, or you're grinding off as quickly as possible? No, I never grind them off. Oh, um, so on my billet stacks, especially the initial stack, you know, I got the welds on the end. Those are going to get cut off at the end anyways. 
Um, and then the little stuff on the edges, I'm not going cred. Cre- so a lot of people will weld on the sides. Sometimes people will run an entire seam down the side. That's really not that necessary. If you do, if you do just a little like a uh, quarter inch bead in a couple spots on, uh, you know, four altogether on, on each side. So I guess eight altogether uh, tack points. What you are essentially trying to do instead of having, you know, my material, my 1080 material is an eighth of an inch thick. That's not thick enough so that when I put it in the forge and it heats up, it's going to start bowing and pulling away from the stack. So what I want to do is tack that to a couple of the other pieces just below it to essentially create a quarter inch or three eighths inch plate that will not bow and come apart as uh, the steel is heating up. But you do not need to weld across the entire face. What you Because if you had a quarter-inch piece of steel on the outside, that's plenty to keep things together. But you're just talking about the... F- you're not talking about the corners. You're no, talking no, about the I'm faces. I'm talking about the faces, yeah. And yeah, so... Right. The end faces. End yeah, faces. and I, I have some pictures like of that. my billet layups that I can post up, but... Um, but in all the forging, the material loss, forge scale, and sloughing off and shit like that, and then the grinding afterwards just to clean the billet up, those little if if you're not going crazy, those MIG welds are gone. So I don't mess with it. I don't waste my time or heat or materials or propane at all to stop and grind. And it's not it's nothing against anybody that does. You do what makes you feel comfortable. I think that's the biggest thing about this whole Damascus making is that it almost feels like alchemy in a way and you not quite understand especially when you're first learning how to do it why is it that it's sticking and why is it some other times it's not sticking is it because it becomes like a uh, uh what is it called when uh superstition it becomes a superstitious thing in a way and so you got to follow these certain rituals and, and like they everybody's got their rituals about the way they do things um and so so I don't worry about it, but other people do good on them. Again, just do what makes you feel comfortable, but I don't worry about it myself. What about you, Jeff? Can I, I was, I, I mean, I don't do it very often, but I, that actually did, did happen to me where it kind of, it kind of the time that I did do it, that it kind of like uh, bowed out to the top. I, I'm going to just say a couple things that I heard from uh, Mike Quisenberry sure. is such a generous guy. He called me on the yeah. phone every so often when he TIG welds, he was saying a couple things. He says, one thing is, is when you TIG weld without the filler rod, sometimes it'll muddle up, it'll muddle up, it'll, you know, fuse all that material together. So you will, you will, it won't keep them separated. The other thing is, is when he tacks with the TIG welder, he actually uses a stainless steel filler rod because when you're grinding it all up, when you're grinding it all off, the stainless steel uh, turns a different sure. color so wherever the weld is is a totally different color and what that means is when you're grinding you can see if you've gotten all the weld out yeah that was a top level tip yeah. mm. and it's usually at the tile levels when you're especially when you're wrapping all the seams oh, like amazing. i wrap all my seams on, on my mosaics um with tig and, and it's fusion welding and that kind of what happens is you're create you're basically bringing you're arcing and creating a puddle of melted material at the weld joint and what happens is sometimes if it's too deep or too big you can you could potentially end up with that 
puddle of just basically what would look like gray material or mono steel material lines in your finished blade or you know your finished forged blade um everything uh, what i try to do is keep it as shallow as possible because all i want is it for it to stay together for that initial weld once i get that initial weld set uh i'm not too concerned about those weld joints anymore but what I have found is that in my reduction and forging, and I forge pretty close to dimension, and even after grinding, I am not ending up with any weld beads um, in my finished mosaic blades because they are such shallow, small beads. They're less than an eighth of an inch, and and uh, and so. But if you if you aren't as good at welding or you're using MIG welding, then going in and cleaning out those seams is a good thing to do because, especially with MIG weld, it, it, it'll get in there and you do not want to end up with that uh, in your finished product because I've definitely seen blades where um, there's kind of a little bit of a, a MIG, MIG weld in there and you can... It, sometimes it's glaringly obvious, sometimes it's not. But you, you know, when you see it, you know it's not supposed to be there because it, it's you have this beautiful flowing pattern, and then there's just like this blob of nothing in the middle of it, and that's what you're seeing is a remnant of a, a MIG weld or some sort of weld. Um, and yeah, so I had a knucklehead come to my shop, and he wanted to show me. He wanted me to see the. Uh, Bowie, the Damascus Bowie knife that he got at a knife show, and he was very proud of how cheap he got it. Sure, he—he's not a knife guy. He's just like you have no idea. I got such a bargain. Look at this thing, and it was like—I mean, it was like half MIG welded up. I mean, you could see the way that, and he didn't know. He just—he saw, you know, a discount. It was this discounted knife, and he thought that he got a good deal. Yeah. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like. I don't think that's Damascus, right? I, I think that those are, and I started to see how, you know, it was like the end of the billet. So like wherever the, uh, wherever the guy finished off, he, you know, he probably, you know, used the tang was probably his uh, piece of steel or whatever. And it was just like, I was trying to, I, I didn't want to say anything, but at the same right. time, I was be like, don't talk about how cheap you are. You fuck. Look what you get. <laughs> Check out how cheap I am. <laughs> yeah. Congra Arne, look how good. That's right. Exactly. Hey, look how cheap I am. Isn't that great? <laughs> All right, this onward, onward. this next one is from Max Dixon two twenty. He says, "What do you guys think of a knife restoration of knife restoration projects? Do you look at an old knife and think, ah, a little TLC and that would look nice, or ah, that one's fucked knife, <laughs> or sorry, that one's fucked." <laughs> Cheers. So, do you guys look at old knives and think, hmm, I could put new handle scales on it, or? do something to restore it. It's all rusty. I could clean that rust off or it just needs a new edge. Hmm. I, I don't. Um, I've, I've never actually done a, a restoration because if it's other people's work, I don't really want to be sort of messing about with what they've done, but they're, they're probably a good business for, it. I mean, around here there's, they call them Vide Greniers. They're like, um, garage sales. They're happening all the time. And you're guaranteed you're going to find some like old saboteurs, that kind of thing, in in any of these sales. And I, you know, that th they'd be very good knives to restore. And I think maybe if you're just starting out, that could be a, a good thing to do. Yeah. 
um, to, to, you know, to, to learn some skills. Uh, but no, I've never done it myself. Yeah. That would be the only reason to do it is because is to kind of like learn how to work with materials and learn how to kind of play around. I, mm. I restored two of my dad's knives that I stole from him and they, they're not, I was not, I did not have a good time. It was not good. Oh. <laughs> it was like, ugh, I don't know why I did this again. I'm not doing this again. No. So I totally like, you know, I pushed that shit away. I'm not interested. I've I've actually restored. I, I so I go to like secondhand stores and, and antique stores, and I, I because I love collecting old knives. Um, and I've actually cleaned a few up and maybe put new handles on, or just cleaned up the blades and put new edges, and maybe did a little grinding on the blades, and gave them as gifts to people. And I I think especially if somebody's interested in knife making but doesn't necessarily have all the tools or all the skills yet it is kind of a nice way to you know you can go find an an old knife at the at the thrift shop or whatever secondhand store rip the handle scales off put new ones on and then then you can play with like handle like handle sculpting and stuff like that or you know maybe mm-hmm. it's it's an older knife and and it's been sharpened so many times that it's like Fifty thousandths of an inch behind the edge, so you can grind that back. Uh, you can practice your grinding skills on that, or maybe you want to get into sharpening, but you don't want to practice on a bunch of really good knives. Go to a secondhand store, get some old knives, practice on those before doing anybody else's knives. Um, but yeah, I I actually enjoy. I think that's great. I enjoy playing with older knives and and repurposing them, and I have probably a dozen of them at my shop right now. And when people come in, uh, usually like a friend or somebody, they'll see all this pile of shitty knives and they're like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, I love them. It's my collection yeah. of knives. <laughs> I have a pile of uh, cleavers that I'm supposed to rehandle. I've seen them. Um, Tony, bought a pi- yeah. Tony bought a pile of cleavers and I just hung them up. So, I, so I, I'm supposed to do it. I, I, I have not. I have just like, I look at, the, I hung them up because I thought if they're in a box, I'll never see him. And I hung him up and I still don't see him. He, every time he comes up, he goes, ah, I see you're still working on the project. And, yeah. I haven't touched him in years. So, you know, I just, I'm kind of loathe to do it, be honest with you. But at the same time, I like, uh, you know what I like? I like what guys are doing, um, with the open needle knives. Oh, they're yes, doing yes. a lot of Amazing DIY. Stuff. Yeah. I really like to see that people, you know, I actually just bought an open needle knife. I think it was after, I was in a uh, a kitchen store and they were they were they're dirt cheap, you know, and mm. and and they're they I bought one because they're great. I mean, I don't know why, but honestly, but it, uh, they they're people who buy open eel knives and then they modify them, and I, I think that that's a very creative way to kind of get involved. And now that I think I was, you know, I think it's a very creative way to kind of refurbish something. I like the idea of taking something old that was going to be garbage and kind of repurposing mm-hmm. it. I like that idea. I think that goes to with what you were saying, uh, Craig, before in regards to, um, yeah, it's great. I don't do it, but it's great. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got another one here, but it's anonymous. Ooh, secretive. I've got a friend who's asked me to build an EDC for him to wear on his belt. He was originally happy to make it. However, after getting to know him better... I'm worried that he may end up using that blade to cause self-harm. Mm. He says, obviously, any blade can be harmful if used with poor intentions. So should I carry on with the build or find an excuse to cancel the order? You've got to cancel that order. Yeah. 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 I get, you know, the, the, it's, it's interesting because 
when this came in, I, I was I kind of going went back and forth with the guy and and um, I also think about when you were talking about with going to secondhand stores and buying you know buying you know cheap secondhand knives and I always wonder I we're in this world of you know the culinary guys are different from the EDC knives I mean we really do see them in regards to how they work on fruit and vegetables and stuff like that I I don't often think about the fact that these are something that somebody could really you know these are these are could be used against someone or used on themselves if for sure i get very i would of course say just you can't take you obviously you just have to do whatever it takes to not do this if you if you feel weird about it you just can't do it yeah i agree it's tricky, man. It, it it is tricky. I've actually had some young kids who've wanted stuff that I'm just like, I'm not making you that. And and it, you do have to make some adjustments. It does remind me, um, a friend of mine's a tattoo. The guy who gives me all my tattoos, he told me that he's got a policy that doesn't do face tattoos. And this was a couple of years ago. Now oh, they're before, the best ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Craig Craig, yeah, right. Mal- Craig Malone, Craigie Malone. So <laughs> so he told me he told me that. A lot of times, the because there is such a high rate of suicides with people who get face tattoos, and he mm-hmm. it got to the point where I he said I just cannot be involved with someone who you know is going to possibly ruin their life, you know, or not be able to whatever get into society or whatever. But I, I definitely I'm very cautious in regards to if the, if my if my you know I, I always say give me the money and I'll make whatever the hell you want. If there's someone who I feel is a little bit, you know, questionable, or I think maybe this is not the right move, I I usually push him push him away. Mm. And look, I mean, you start you start the message with I have a friend who's asked me to build the knife. Um, you've obviously got some concerns there, so you know, lend an ear, have a chat with him, see what the see what the issue is. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, it's just like at the same time, it's like you know, if he doesn't know the guy very well, it's like, what do you do? I mean, I. Mm. You know, this is a judgment call. I've had a guy came up to me a long time ago who was a questionable guy, and he says, "I need you to make it me a sword." And the and, and looking at him and knowing him a little bit, I was just uh, I didn't, you know, I said, "What the hell are you gonna do with that?" You know, and then the question got, you know, it got very quiet. You know, it was it wasn't really like you know the change. I I think that you obviously have to use your gut, and you know what your gut says. Your gut says, "I ain't making this fucking thing for this guy. I don't want to be involved in." in something that could be really, you know, horrible. Yeah. Uh, This one comes from Gabe Jensen 09. Any tips for flying with knives? I'm going to Blade Show West for the first time. Um, Wrap them in towels, uh, (laughs) stick them in a a case, and check them in. Check them in. You You obviously can't fly with them, and you'll be good to go. They're more worried about you having lithium batteries than you are a knife that you check. That's you know. Yeah, I think I think a lot of makers, especially in the United States, I don't know what it's like abroad, but um, express concern about knives being stolen in transport or their bags getting lost. And you know, like I what I think a couple of years ago, I was traveling with essentially like eleven thousand dollars worth of knives in my check bag, um, which is kind of scary. To think about the loss of that income, uh, one of them was actually an already sold. You know, the customer let me bring the knife with me to the show to show it off, and so you know to have to turn around and potentially make that knife over. Um, I think, <clears throat> at least in the states, uh, 
something that people do is they will put a, a unloaded. Well, you, technically, you can't load the gun and put it in <laughs> your check bag, anyways. But put a, a handgun into the uh, check bag, um, and usually they use like a, a, a hard case as well, and that can also lock. Because and the reason they do and there's no ammunition or anything involved, um, it's just the gun. But what that does is that the, the airport pays really close attention to where that bag goes. It does. They basically never get lost. Um, and they you got it. You know, it's a little bit more of a pain because you have to do a special check in. And then when you you have to go to a special pickup to get it. But for the peace of mind that your knives are basically going to be safe, they're not going to get lost. Nobody's get. you know, if that if that bag disappears and the handgun goes. It disappears, too. Like that. That's a big problem for the TSA. Excuse me. <clears throat> so they they keep pretty close tabs on that. And that means also your knives are are have pretty close tabs kept on them as well, and so again, it's a little bit. And your dildo and your, your double ended dildo is safe <laughs> and sound. Well, I didn't know about that. Hey, I don't know about double ended. I've, 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 just seen, said that I've I seen that was... hanging in your shop. Don't lie. Big black one too. <laughs> we're, we're, oh my god, you are totally coming up with strange perversions. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're lying. That's a lie. It's a Am weird I? lie. But I was just going to say that I would, I would imagine <laughs> that people who fly with sex toys are concerned that they're going to be stolen as well. Hmm. Don't want to jump in, huh, guys? It's a little bit too risque. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. That. Nothing I to talk I'm, about. I've How do you fly with travel. your dildos, Craig? <laughs> I think you're gonna. I mean, I fly regularly with. Um, my knife, and you know, I've, I've you know, I've got travel insurance. People are going to have travel sure. insurance. I think if it's you know, like like Mareko said, he flew with sort of eleven grand's worth of knives. I'd just make that quick call to the travel insurer and just say that I'm you know, I'm carrying this this sort of cargo. You may pay a little bit more for premium, but you know, it covers your back a little bit. Um, but on the on the whole, I mean, the chances are on the whole on the whole <laughs> the chances of you know <laughs> luggage going missing you know it's it's quite a rare occurrence thankfully and um but yeah just me- as i said make sure they're wrapped very well because something spiky like that is you know it's that case is going to be flown around it's they're going to be throwing it they're going to be dropping it and all sorts make sure it's wrapped up really really well yeah. um but yeah speak to your insurer if you're insured yeah. say. there you are there you that are. That was boring answer ever. Speaking yeah, you guys, you know, P.S., you guys <laughs> could have gone with it. You could have gone with the bit, but you you, you just like, you know, you, know you, you dropped off my potential dildo bit, but fine. <laughs> On to the next question. Cowards. This one. Total cowards. Flyover State Forge, he says, uh, when using Corby bolts, do you countersink, countersink your tang holes also? Thanks. Love the podcast. Um, what do you guys think? I would think no. I do. Oh, you do. I do. I do. So, I, obviously, the the holes in the the handles they aren't countersinks. Kind of you want a flat bottom to them. Um, but the uh, the actual tang I do because it just allows that extra bead of epoxy to stay in. So it's up against the the shaft. Jeez, we're talking bottoms and shafts. I'm Where telling you, this show no, going. I needed you. The last question, you fuck. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, you will just get that extra bead of epoxy around around the around the shaft, yeah. which is preferable yeah. oh is it is it is it 
Is it? What about you, Jeff? Do you kind of see your holes? <laughs> come on, man. Hey, come on, man. Hey, Sunset, that's for you. Insert fake podcast laugh, you fuck. All right, so um, I don't countersink. I don't countersink my holes, but I do bump them with a. Uh, I do bump them to just champ for the edge a little bit, so it's not. So I don't have any extra kerf on from the drill bit. But yeah. I don't, I, I just make sure that I have enough slop. I don't have any, my mistake, no slop in the hole, flyover state. I like to make sure that the shafts of the Corby bolt fits exactly with the hole of the tang. How do you like that? There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, so two different answers. But um, <laughs> or is Marekko, it the same answer? You... I think it was the same answer for the most part, but just two different ways to go about it. Maybe, maybe. Mareko, you don't, you say. You leave yours flat. Yeah, I would just leave it flat. Because the Corby bolt has a slight chamfer itself, so I usually, <clears throat> you know, I, I'll I'll get some glue in the holes uh, in the handle scale. God damn this throat! Sorry, <clears throat> and yeah. and then I will, uh, and and then I'll get the 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 female side of the Corby bolt in, and then I'll get glue all over the tang, and then. Make sure that that's set. And I'm using slow setting epoxy, so I'm not worried that it's going to set up on me. How come you're me? not playing the sexy sound? Why don't you play the sexy music anymore? The French music? Yeah. Oh, Craig, so I, th- French I think I've music. got rid of that. All right, fine. I need to Go ahead, you. back to the female hole. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> come on, back to the female hole and the sloppy yeah, so, epoxy. And then, Go ahead. And then I put that on. So I'm so there isn't any issues with lining up the, the Corby bolts with with the holes in the tang uh for me i don't know if that's why he's chamfering them or or uh countersinking them um but yeah so mm, just never are. had any problem. you could do the other end you could you could countersink yeah, the, the you back certainly could the, the back of the scale but you um, could do yeah. oh definitely yeah Whatever. do the other lots of ends it did get a you, little you bit done, sexy. You done, Jeff? I'm kind you of frustrated I mean, man there. The Everyone's. Back of your truck. I'm not frustrated. I, I mean, the listeners are thinking, ah, come on, guys, you got to hop in there with some, you know, raunch. Just yeah, back raunchy. off the insurance talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Felix Daimling asks, um, "Hey, I've got a question for you. I've made a new handle for an old knife for a customer. He liked the material and everything, but he didn't like the size of the handle, and he now wants a new one for free." So he says, we didn't make a sketch of the size of the handle, so I thought he had freedom with the design. What would you do with such a customer? So he's, they've discussed this, this knife and, and so on, um, but the handle he made is, is too short, and the customer wants a new one. Hmm. Has, has that ever happened to you? Or, or, you know, how could you avoid that? That's probably a good well, question. This, is, this falls under Felix might be a nice guy, but his customer might be a bit of a dick. You know, hmm. I, I think that... Um, it is you get to the point where you're just like no problem i'll take care of it and, and as you know miracle you get a lot of people saying oh freedom whatever you want to do whatever you want to do until they don't you know until all of a sudden it's not what they want <laughs> yep. ultimately this guy you know ultimately this guy you know you got to be crystal clear with these guys and you know there's a lot of loosey-goosey shit too with mm. dealing with customers um i i you gotta. You might have to eat this. I don't. I wouldn't make a free one. I wouldn't make a free one for this guy. I'd have to have a nice long conversation with them and be like, "Look, man, I can't just be making free knives just because you don't like them. You know, just because you don't like the way I did the handle. Uh, you got to figure something out. Just for the sake of, I might just redo it just to get them off my case. But at the same time, 
I'd curse a lot, and I'd have to have a long conversation with a student being like, look, this ain't the way this is working. I'm not just going back and doing work all the time. Yeah. For nothing. And it's one of those things, if it's a customer who buys off you regularly, you obviously want to keep them happy as well. Yeah, the Um, guy just gave him an old knife, and he says, redo the handle. So you're reading the handle, he said, I don't like the way you're reading the handle. Uh, You know, this is like a, this is like some, this is some bullshit, this is what this Mm. is, Felix. I hate this, I hate this guy. Hmm. Send the guy a double-ended dildo. (laughs) 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 Right, I'm going to pick one more question, then we move on to some. Well, you know, I needed a callback, I needed a callback joke or something. (laughs) Where are we? Here we go. Maximus knives asks, you've seen people using belts that have a raised uh, crisscross pattern on them. So he's wondering what benefits they may have over Scotch-Brite. To simplify, what's the best finishing conditioning belt you use before going to hand sanding? So he's talking about, you know, the, the, the crisscross. The structured right? abrasives. The, uh... Yes. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Structured there abrasives. Go. Um, what benefits they may have over it's scotch just for It's just for refining your scratch pattern. It's just for, like, kind of knocking down those ridges to, to allow, you know, to get out. I mean, ultimately, you know, they make these belts for you to not have to hand sand at all. They don't expect you to hand sand. So all the different mm-hmm. scotch Bright belts, all the different structure abrasives are meant to be your final finish. So it's to, I mean, I always, I've used those structured abrasives. I don't use them anymore because I use a disc grinder so much, but they're meant to refine your scratch pattern. Yeah. Mm. I always thought it would maybe help with keeping things cool as well. Because it's not it's not a hundred percent on on your on your blade. You've got these tiny little gaps, and it's you know hopefully keeps it a bit cooler. Um, but I don't know. But um, just this week, actually, whilst we're talking about you know final conditioning, um, I I ordered some cork belts, and I and I've used them for the first time, and man, they're very good. It takes it takes a bit of work to get them ready, um, but once that once they're it all set in. They work really well to get a really nice sure. mirror finish very, very quickly. What's the last grit you do before you do the cork belt? Um, 320, and then oh. I use the blue Scotch-Brite after that, which I think may be a bit, bit worse than 320 anyway. But, it, you know, it gives you a uniform finish. But right. then I go to the cork belt, and I use a yellow rouge on that. And I say, I use it. It's only the first time this week I've done it. But, <laughs> yeah, I was just amazed at how quick... It works. But yeah, the cork belt, you need to put some work into it before you start using it properly. So you need to get everything, just use an old piece of hardened steel on it for five minutes sure. to get it you know, worn down. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Oh, you have lots. to wear it down? Yeah, you got to beat it up. Oh, oh yeah. You got, yeah, really? you want it to be black. You want it to be black and then it polishes beautifully. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been able to figure out figure out cork belts, but I always thought that they seemed like a really great idea. And I, I've I have friends like my buddy Zach Buchanan. He's a knife maker out of Eugene, Oregon, and he gets hmm. insane mirror finishes. And he finished, and he's using cork belts in as part of his process. Hmm. And I think he finishes with the corks, and it's it, mind boggling. I don't understand. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, it blew wow. my mind. It, it was just like, wow, why haven't I u- been using these before? But um, yeah, it's loaded up with loads of polishing compound, yeah. um, and it goes really black after a while, mm. and then it's then it's in its best condition. Wow, interesting. Mm. Have to redo that. Yeah. Have to get back into that. All right, this next one is from Bell Knives. He said, uh, "I've decided to do a holiday makers market this year, selling kitchen knives. I 
I can't decide if I should offer a cutting station so people can try out my knives, pros, cons. My gut knows how fucking stupid people are and is telling me not to offer it. Uh, love the show. Thank you for your time, Rob. So he wants. To, he's doing this holiday market, and he's trying to decide if he's going to have a cutting station. Do you, what do you guys think? I'd imagine the most of the holiday markets I've been to, especially the Christmas ones, people have had a you know a fair few drinks and they're out doing a bit of late night shopping. <laughs> Probably not the best thing. And again, I don't, I don't mean to talk about insurance again. But <laughs> bore you all but yeah there probably is an insurance thing going on there where you maybe not be allowed to but uh the drink would be the biggest issue i think for me Ugh, i i hate all those things i hate all, i hate i would hate to uh, even just cleaning up all the mess yeah you know like can you just imagine if somebody didn't curl their fingers or they're cutting their onion and they cut themselves can you just imagine yeah do you have any band-aids no i don't have any band-aids here's a holiday napkin <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck? Probably not. Yeah, yeah I would, I would not such a myself. Yeah. I think you should for sure say no. I, ugh. Sounds like such a pain in the ass. But then people are just like, well, how are we going to know if they work? Yeah. How do they know if any Give knife works? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a mess. You're a mess. I'm a mess right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm a fucking mess right now. I'm getting starting to get cold. And, uh, you know, the holiday thing. I... No, I think we're, I think we're done with questions for now. Let's move on. <laughs> hey, you. You know what you should do? All right. Jeff. This is... Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. This hello... Uh, hey, you know what you should do? This is uh, viewer tips, listener tips. And uh, this one comes from Summit and C. Smithing, who I got to meet in Florida when I was at Doghouse Forge. He took the class, and we I get to spend the weekend with him, a good guy. He says, here's a pro tip. When mincing garlic, splash a little olive oil on it. It'll keep it from being sticky, and it will help everything stay in one place while cutting. There you go. Hmm. Good tip. That's a good tip. There you go. Also, maybe put a bit of rough sea salt in as well, because it'll help grind it up quicker. Oh, that is a yeah. good move. That is a good move when you're mm. when you're making paste. You throw a little bit of yeah. kosher salt on there, and it helps. Yeah, hundred percent. I like it. Mm. Anything garlic from news. the hot? Anything from the hot garlic? Anything from the hot light, or everyone's sick of the hot light? Oh man, it's just a load of junk this week. <laughs> <laughs> one, Probably about one a, piece of junk. Yeah, one a piece dozen, of junk. A dozen calls of just people putting the phone down. People going, uh, 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 then putting the phone. Oh no! Come on, guys, you need to you need to up the game. Practice before ringing us. <laughs> God. Uh. Yeah, right. we've got nothing usable this Congratulations. week. Congratulations, guys. The last good thing was from Ashley Childs, who was very grateful that we beeped out her telephone number. <laughs> oh, yes. Please, yeah. Last episode. Really. Yeah. It, it's not a voicemail. It's a, Well, I mean, I guess technically it's a voicemail, but it's going to be played on the radio live. <laughs> exactly. But look, if you can get your shit together and if you can leave a decent <laughs> message, you're going to be on the, the show, basically. Stop yeah, the fucking key is, up. Then, get, yeah. Yeah. I, if you if you do a good one, we'll play it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's you know what are you gonna do? And it can be anything: I, jokes, tips, yeah. questions, whatever you well, want. Well, I got a tip for you guys. Indasa USA yeah. is our very awesome sponsor, and we're so fortunate to have them. We wanted them actually because their products are so incredible, and we make great use of them already. Uh, they are the makers of Rhino Wet. Most people are know them for the red line. Uh, they make all kinds of abrasives. Um, but our friends over at Texas Farrier Supply uh, have 
the Renault LED red line available. And if you type in Knife Talk 10, it will save you not only 10% on the Renault but anything you get from them. They offer all kinds of products, steel, uh, wood materials, tools, hammers. I mean, they're also a farrier supplier. So um, go check them out. Use in the Indasa USA Rhino Wet and uh, make sure to tag them up when you use it. Uh, they got a pretty active Instagram. It's, it's actually pretty cool following them and seeing how their abrasives are used across different industries, especially like auto body. But I've seen them doing some knife stuff and just woodworking, all kinds of stuff. So go check them out now. Yep. And remember that Knife Talk 10 to get your 10% discount at uh, TexasFarriersupply.com. Community Showcase. This is the bit of the show where we like to give a shout out to a person, a thing, a product, whatever it may be. Something that we think deserves a little bit of a light shone on it. So I'm going to kick off, and mine is another podcast. So don't go pressing stop and rushing straight over there to listen to them. Keep listening to us. But it, it's if, if you're interested in um, in restaurants and cookery and, and chefs, um, there's a podcast called The Pass Podcast. Um, they're on Instagram, the underscore pass underscore podcast. Um, and basically this guy goes around um, high-end restaurants and interviews the chefs. Um, but he's got a really good style about him. So quite often it's it's actually during a busy service. So there's a bit of rushing around as well. It's They're, they're always really, really good. Um, I've listened to probably about seven or eight just this week. Um, and whenever I'm in the car on my own, I always put one on now. So the past podcast, um, really interesting to sort of understand the minds of these, these amazing chefs. Mm. Um, and I just really like the style of it. And it's just relaxing to listen to. So if you're interested in chefs, cookery, restaurants, that kind of thing, I definitely recommend the past podcast nice there you go well this week i'd like to give some love to my uh former shopmate, actually jamie lundell uh he's a super talented guy a young guy just had a kid so i'm very happy for him i don't know if he's hearing this but congratulations buddy but uh what i do want to say is that he does a uh, I actually first met him actually when I competed on Forge and Fire. Uh, he and I made it to the fa- finals. I uh, lost and he fortunately won. He's very talented and deserved it. And um, and he actually, <laughs> as a result of that, invited me to <laughs> come work out of Dragon's Breath Forge, which I actually ended up doing a couple of years later. And, and that's how I really connected with Jeff and all that good stuff. But anyways, he's super talented. He does a lot of swords, as Jeff, Jeff was mentioning uh, mentioning earlier um talking about swords uh he specializes in like viking swords as well as uh uh what is it uh roman reproductions uh and he has been doing some really 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 cool um damascus stuff lately and so you definitely if you're into damascus if you're into kind of viking era viking style kind of more historical style swords you got to go check him out he also does like lost like carving and lost wax casting um he's pretty well-rounded very talented guy and um and he's also like i said he's part of dragon's breath forge they have a patreon actually if uh, you know they got a lot of great information out there available for free on instagram and stuff but if you want to go deeper they offer uh kind of instructional videos kind of online classes that go deeper into their processes and how they make stuff so go check jamie lundell out as well as dragon's breath forge 
Well, I'd like to give a little love to someone who I got to spend the weekend with who is a fantastic blacksmith. Her name is Ellen Durkin, and her Instagram is Iron Maiden Forge. She, to me, embodies this idea of what a blacksmith artist is. And she's incredibly talented. She makes these beautiful wearable sculptures. Her skill as a blacksmith is incredibly impressive. And she kind of like, um, she goes beyond the techniques of, of blacksmithing to create something that's more than just a forged whatever. She's incredibly smart, very funny. Uh, she's going through a little bit of controversy that is not a big deal, but basically, you know, she's, it's growing pains of the generations of old school blacksmiths and what, when we look at in terms of the new blacksmiths, she's she to me she represents what the innovation of what blacksmithing is, and I you know I, I talk to Jesse Savage a lot, and we talk about who, what is what is the you know what is the new what is the new blacksmith what is the modern day blacksmith what's their role and it's the idea of innovation in regards to uh, design and um, output and what Ellen does is to me she represents the innovation of blacksmithing as a art form as sculpture and uh, she's super funny uh she swings these John Williams hammers that are just awesome and she's super talented she travels all over the place she te- I know that she teaches art somewhere it's Iron Maiden Forge she's actually the reason why I went back into Obana I uh, re up with Obana between her and between John Williams becoming a board member it's going to be a new, it's a new generation, and I'm mm. very glad that Ellen represents what I think is the future of blacksmithing in the United States. I'm with you, 100. percent There we go. All links to these three community showcases will be on the website knifetalk.net, um, along with you know all of our previous ones from previous episodes too. We've got beef. <laughs> that guy's voice Here kills we me still. We've uh, got he's the best. beef. He's the best. He's way better than uh, deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is a portion of the show where we kind of air some of our grievances and express some of our frustrations. Um, it's kind of kind of a therapeutic session in a way. And uh, Craig's going to kick us off here with uh, with his beef. Yeah, um, politics. Man, I, whether you're from the UK or you probably had enough in the US as well, of just having enough of politics and just being ground down, ground down. But I mean, hopefully not into submission that, you know, people aren't just getting bored and they just want things to finish. But it's just, it's enough. Politics is in the news. It's in the, every newspaper. It's on every news channel. Just on normal TV channels, it's just everywhere. You can't get away from it. Everybody wants to talk about it, and it's just, man, it's just draining, draining. So I've I've made the point this week of just trying to sort of remove myself from it because it's just getting me down sure. so much. So, you know, I don't want it to sort of grind me down so, you know, I'm no longer concerned, but I just need to take a bit of a back seat, really, because it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I get the feeling where... As I said, the UK and the US, I'd imagine we're all pretty much feeling the same. And I get the feeling it's this, this boiling the frog thing where we're just little things keep happening, little things keep happening, little things keep happening until we're all fucked and there's nothing we can do about it. 
it's just, yeah, I'm drained of it all. And, you know, we're recording today on a Saturday and there's big things happening in the UK regarding, the, you know, politics and all the rest of it. And I just think, oh, I've had enough. Just tell me what I can do to make things better and, you know, where we go from here. You know, this constant, constant commentary on everything is just draining, draining. So that's it. Politics is my beef this week. May I add one little side note? Yes. So people who are posting these political memes that I'm supposed to change my opinion about because you found (laughs) some dumb meme, I Uh, will never, I will never change my opinion because of your stupid meme of Kermit the Frog drinking tea. Yeah. Stop, stop learning about politics from fucking memes, guys. Please. (laughs) Yeah. Please, please. Uh, these memes of, you know, it's like, I mean, come on. That is the new way that we're learning about shit. Uh, how did you know about the Declaration of Independence? Oh, because fucking, you know, Miss Piggy's sucking. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but, you know, you said about politics uh, from politicians. But the problem is you can't trust them. They're lying. So you don't know what's real, what's not real. It's you. It's difficult to get an independent source of exactly what's what's happening. Because yeah. most of the media outlets, they're they're. It, and corrupt too it, it's just very very difficult and I've had enough it's enough already yeah. enough. I'm with you yeah. I had to stop myself Morocco what's your beef alright uh, don't tell me don't tell me he's driving again it's not driving <laughs> <laughs> not this hey. he hates driving hates okay. drivers other people's driving is what I hate um <laughs> so this week uh my frustration, my beef is, and this has happened multiple times, and I just, I don't understand. I just don't get it. But what happens is somebody will comment, and especially since I've moved, like this happened when I went to Connecticut. And then this has ha- been happening a lot now since I've moved back to Washington, because I'm, I mean, maybe I need to stop tagging Olympia, Washington, but people are like, oh my gosh, you're back, you're back in the area, or I just live, I don't live that far away, or, you know, I'm in Olympia, whatever. There's, they're, they're excited, which is flattering and very cool. Um, but from time to time, I, I'm getting people saying, expressing their excitement about being in the area and knowing that there's another maker in the area because a a lot of people especially in the northwest don't really know who else like they kind of vaguely know who else is in the northwest but they don't know how like what people's proximity is or anything anyways so they're excited about that and then you know I'll see the comment and it's not really uh, requiring a response or I'll say yeah I'm in Olympia and then and then I'll go away. I have a job. And so I'll go back to work and I'll come back. You know, I check pretty frequently, at least uh, every hour, or every couple hours, just to check up and see if there's anything I need to respond to. And this last one, the guy had sent three different, me- like he sent his initial message and then he commented two more times underneath. And by the time he got to his last one, he was like, fine, dude, whatever, don't respond. He's like fucking pissed off at me. <laughs> I didn't respond like within oh, two seconds. And so I'm just like, I, I, I just don't get it. And I'm sorry that I didn't respond in the time frame that you wanted, but I got other stuff Ugh. going on. I mean, that's, that's how I can post stuff for you to see, or, you know, that's how I can mm. fucking keep the lights on. But that last, it really 
irked me. And so I was like, cool. And I went straight to his page and I blocked him and I was fucking over it. Like I didn't want, I didn't need, what frustrated me the most is the way he was engaging on my page. And I didn't like that. And so I was just like, cool, done. Mm. Bye. And people think the world owes them something that, you know, everybody's time that, you know, they want to slice. Well, and it's that whole like, Give an inch, take a mile kind of thing. It's like, holy shit, people really go crazy with it. It's like, you know, Mm. I think we do a lot to be helpful. But at the same time, we got to take care of ourselves, take care of our business, take care of our families. Because if we don't do those things, how the fuck are we going to be able to keep doing this and helping people? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's a whole cycle. Some of us don't even want to be helpful. You guys have a much bigger sort of following than I as well. And I struggle. And, you know, I, I don't get back to everybody and, it, you know, it's difficult. But, I mean, you guys, especially Morocco, you got, you know, you got shitloads more than me. So the, the inquiries and, and questions, you know, being posed to you just must be crazy. Crazy. A lot. His, 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 at, his asshole saturation must be very high. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, oh, jeez. Asshole saturation. There's oh, a lot of tissue back up. there. <laughs> no, I'm saying. I mean, you have like you have all those 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 uh, no, those, those uh, I'm going to be very careful with how I say this, but I think that Joe Rogan sent you a bunch of a pile of numb nuts. I don't think that I don't think you got the best of the best. Some of your, I think some of your guy, I think you're getting a higher saturation point of assholes. I mean, it's a true. numbers thing. It's, it's true. Part of the, they're all, they're, they're you a know. portion of the population and. That's just part That's of it. right. But I think that, you know, I used to say, I used to say we, I, when I was back in the uh, restaurant biz, I had this waitress who, who a uh, server who used to really get upset because once in a while she'd get someone who was really mean. And I'd say, look, you got to think that there's, th- you know, at least 50% of the population are out of their minds. And then we're opening their door. At least 30% of our, the people are, are going to come in or awful. So you have to understand that's going to happen. I think that your percentage is much higher, you know. I think your percentage of awful people is probably higher than what Craig gets. Yeah. Oh, Maybe. for sure. For 100%. 100%. But you know what I've noticed since my Instagram account has turned into a maker account, and I've now got the, like, the two inboxes, you know, you get primary in general, that I'm just losing track of stuff. And so, yeah, if anybody is sending me messages, I'm not ignoring you. I literally just don't have the time or it's fallen off the list or something. You know, we, you know, the three of us, you know, we, we try to help as much as we can. But like Mareko said, we've got, we've got families you. and we've got jobs and <laughs> two of us. Maybe. Two of you want to be helpful. One of us <laughs> doesn't want to be helpful at all. One of us wants to tell dick jokes. <laughs> What's your beef, Jeff? Well, it's going to be within the same vein. I uh, I made uh, that uh, blacksmith rose. That tr- it's not called a blacksmith rose. Now we're going to go into it because look, there's a lot of people who, and this is not my beef. This is a side beef. There's a lot of people who buy steel and they make circles and then they weld them together and then they put them on a thing and then they make a little rose. Fine. I did the traditional Samuel Yellen style. Uh, tenon rose with jesse jesse helped me forge down the the, the petals you upset the material and make a tenon and it's out of one piece it was 10 uh petals it's it's kind of labor intensive is the way samuel Allen did it i used to do the other way now i'm i'm only going to do this way from now on and i made some mistakes that i realized afterwards that i'm excited to make another one so i post on on social media and i got a message hey from someone i knew hey dude i need one of those and it's fine. I just liked it. And he goes, no, no, no. 
PM me. I'm not, I'm not joking. I need one. PM me the price. And I didn't, and I, and I was like, I'm not doing, I'm not going down this road and I'm I'm not really going to, I'm not really in the 10 and rows business because when you get the price, all of a sudden you're going to wonder why. I mean, it doesn't, you know, you're using a big piece, you know, uh, four inches of, you know, inch steel, you're, you know, you're forging it down. It's a kind of a production. Um, so then without saying anything, he sent me, slipped into my DMs and said, you know, like, I know this guy, I know this guy for, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while, but he goes, Hey man, I need that rose. What's the friends and family discount? Ah. Hey man, listen, we are not related. You are not my family. And now you are, a, you are surely not my friend. Stop it with the friends and family. Stop trying to get a deal. Stop trying to say, I need this now. And then all of a sudden you chisel me or chisel someone or I leave it alone and stay out of my DMS for money. I'm not, don't talk to me about pricing. Don't talk to me about this. And you'll don't make this big pump your chest up. And I need to get this from you. And then, then all of a sudden, you know, make a big production. And then you're asking for a discount. Eat it, stupid. I'm not interested. I ain't interested in what you want. I ain't interested in your money, and I ain't just inter- interested in your time taking. You're sucking the time away from me. Stop it. Hmm. We are I think really that's pathetic. One thing all three of our beefs have in common: it's our time. We're all running out of time, and it's yeah. We're it's, so it's difficult p- to juggle everything. We're dealing with nonsense. God, these three. We're dealing with. We're just so popular mm. that we need to just bitch about <laughs> our popularity. That. I am. No, I am miserable. I'm a miserable human being. Okay, leave me alone. Right, Jeff. Right, you got ten seconds. What's the happiest thing that happened to you this week? Oh, what do you mean? What about what about the best thing that happened in my mouth? <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, I mean, what's the best thing you had in your mouth? Isn't that the bit? Hey, That's cuties. the bit. What's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week? I'll tell you, Let's my not dear. Talk dildos again? <laughs> no, goddamn it! Come on, man. I didn't say anything about that yet. Yet is the final word. So uh, I actually was in uh, uh, Finn and Brew last night. Uh, I was stopping by. I got to do a little something for the owner and the chef, Mike Anastasio, is. One of my favorite cooks, my favorite chefs. He's just an awesome dude, and he's always telling me, "Hey, we got something new on the menu. You got a minute?" And then he'll whip something out. So yesterday, he, uh, I was in the place, and he says, "What are you like? I didn't mean whip something out. Come on, man. I'm trying to be serious here." He didn't whip anything out. This is like two seven-year-olds with the microphone. This. Yeah, for sure. You're you're out of your mind. You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. So he said, "Hey, look, I got something weird on the menu. You want to take? Oh, I got something great. Why don't you try it?" And it was a uh, a sheet tray filled with blowfish tails. So mm. they 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 uh, made these blowfish. They they cut these blowfish tails, and then he sautéed it in this maple and miso uh, butter. And he served it up, and at first I think I said, I said, you, t- you take out all the shit that's going to you know, put me in the ground? And he goes, ah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And you, so he's supposed to eat it like a chicken wing. And I ate it, and it was, it was very similar to, it tasted delicious. Perfectly seasoned, perfectly cooked. It was delicious, and it had a texture of almost like um, monkfish. I don't know, monkfish is, oh, like you know, kind of yeah. a little bit more like, you know, a little bit more, it's not, it wasn't very flaky, but it was really good. And I was like, this is awesome. I love it. So I was driving home. As soon as I got in the car, I started, I started to say, you know what? My, that was delicious. But the roof of my mouth's numb. Uh-huh. And I started to feel like I, 
I wonder if the guy cleaning it, I wonder if it was, if it was, so I sent him a message. I said, hey man, that was really good, but the roof of my mouth is numb from the blowfish. And he, and he, and he didn't get back to me. And I, and I, and I decided to go walk the dogs. My mouth, the roof of my mouth is still numb. So I wow, left him a message wow. and I called him. He goes, ah, ha, 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 very funny. And I'm like, no, 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 no problem. The roof of my mouth's a little bit numb. And he just, he told me that, um, he told me that it's a different type of blowfish. Don't worry, you asshole. You're obviously, this is, this is some sort mind. of, yeah, it's totally in your mind. And all I can think of is that Simpsons episode where Homer Simpson's eating all this blowfish and he's got like five days left to live and he does all these things. And I, yeah, I said, this is just exactly what I need to go. I, I need to get this. Jeff Fader dies from ingesting a fucking blowfish tail, but I was fine. It was obviously it in my mind. Good, so all that counts. It was, it was the best thing that happened to my mouth. It tasted good and it numbed it. So, there you go. Finibre. Well, I'm going to tell you about the the worst thing that happened in my mouth because, um, well, if you're listening on Monday morning and you're just sitting down for breakfast, first of all, you need to make some lifestyle decisions. Don't make this the first thing you listen to on a Monday morning. Yeah. But, yeah, you, you may want to turn this off for this bit. So, I've got the babies, the twin babies playing with them they like being sort of thrown up in the air and you know twisted about and all that kind of thing um they're not very sickly babies at all you know, they're, they're, uh, I, I, know I can count boring. the amount of times they've been sick on you know on one hand anyway i'm throwing one up in the air little molly up in the air and she's she's laughing she's look looks completely fine so i'm laughing along with her so my mouth is open because uh, i'm laughing uh. she's directly above me her mouth opens and this. Oh. Well, she's sick. She's sick. And it, it just went all over my face, into my mouth, up my nose. And it would, this was a proper, you know, oh. have you seen Team America when they're sick? And it's like that. <laughs> it was like that. Oh, it's disgusting. And yeah, into my mouth. The ah. worst. The, it, it was like gone off white chocolate. That's the only way I can describe oh, the taste. My, that happened to me. That happened to me when I when my daughter was very young too, and I was holding her oh. up in the air, and I said, "Who's the cutest baby?" And she <laughs> fucking barfed into my mouth, filled yeah. my mouth to the top, and oh. my wife was crippled with laughter, and I <laughs> crippled with laughter. And I said, <laughs> and "I was afraid I was going to swallow some of it." I was trying to hand her off. My wife was crippled with laughter because my whole mouth was completely full with it's baby barf. The worst. That's pretty the bad. So it's, it's like, cur- yeah, it's like it's, curdled yogurt. Oh, yeah, white chocolate. I hate uh, white chocolate. And they just, ugh. But yeah, it's just, you're brushing your teeth. There for, you go. Know, hours and hours, Listerine, and all, you just can't get out of there. <laughs> it is, you know you, what you get? It's like a taste up your nose, and you can smell it, and but you actually smell the taste. It's one of those kind of tastes. Yeah. Oh, there disgusting. you go. That's disgusting. it. That's it. The old barf in the mouth. There we go. So it's our 100th episode coming up in what? In this is our 98th episode. So in two weeks time we're coming up to our 100th episode. Um, I don't want you two guys to worry about it. I've got everything sorted. It's going to be a special episode. What's so, so special don't about you it? You worry. Well, you'll find out on the All day. Right, there you you'll go. Find out on the day. There you go. And that's it. That's the end of the show, you fuckers. <laughs> hey, listen up. Thank you for all your support. We've been getting a lot of nice messages. We appreciate the fuck out of all of you. And all you kids out there, don't try this at home. There you are. That's Bye lame, for now. too. Fucking lame. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.